0: This is Latin Pulse, a weekly analysis of news and public affairs in Latin America. Brought to you in cooperation with American University's School of Communication in Washington, D.C. and Link TV.
1: And now here's host Rick Rockwell. Bienvenidos and welcome to Latin Pulse. We're back from our holiday hiatus and we're coming to you this week from St. Petersburg, Florida. We'll be focusing on the new marijuana laws in Colorado and Washington State. What effects will legalizing marijuana in those states have on the drug war in Latin America? We'll search for answers in a bit. But first, our weekly news review. Kurt Devine is still on holiday. This week, Alexia Campbell is in our Washington, D.C. studios with the top news stories.
2: Venezuela's opposition leaders are demanding details about the health of President Hugo Chavez three weeks after his cancer surgery in Cuba. The country has not seen or heard from its ailing leader since his December 11th operation. The opposition has criticized the government's secrecy and has called for a complete medical report. The demands come after Vice President Nicolás Maduro's visit to Cuba this week, where he said Chavez is recovering from a respiratory infection. Maduro says he spoke twice with the president at the hospital.
3: We
0: have kept everyone informed since the first day of surgery. It's a complicated situation and we are always awaiting his recovery. Sometimes he shows slight improvement, other times nothing happens.
2: Government officials have indicated that Chavez may not recover in time to be sworn in for a new term on January 10th. They have not said whether they will try to delay the inauguration or if they have another plan. The Constitution says Venezuela must hold an election within 30 days if a president dies or is declared unable to stay in office. The Bolivian government has taken control of two private electric companies in a move to nationalize its energy supply. President Evo Morales announced the takeover this week of two subsidiaries of the Spanish energy giant Iberdrola. Morales said the step will ensure fair electric rates across the region and promise to compensate Iberdrola for the value of its companies. Since taking office in 2006, Morales has nationalized the Andean Nation's oil industry and most of its power supply. The end of the year brought record-breaking heat to parts of South America at the peak of its summer. Mercury climbed above 100 degrees Fahrenheit in Argentina, Paraguay, Uruguay and Brazil. The heat damaged crops and left holiday travelers sweltering. As the new year approached, temperatures hit 110 degrees in Rio de Janeiro, the highest temperature recorded in the city in nearly a century. The heat wave coincided with a series of power outages across Brazil, which left Rio's International Airport and other public buildings without air conditioning. Mexican Marines gunned down four men this week as they tried to steal the body of a cartel boss killed by the military in the state of Veracruz. Government officials said the men drove into the city of Córdoba and began shooting at Marines who were guarding the body of Ángel Enrique Uscanga. The drug lord and four others had died in a firefight with the military a day earlier. Mexico has deployed hundreds of Marines to Veracruz since 2011, following a spike in violent clashes between the Sinaloa and Seta cartels. In October, the body of another CETA's leader was stolen from a funeral home hours after his death, raising doubts about whether the feared drug lord was really killed. For Latin Pulse, I'm Alexia Campbell.
1: Thanks, Alexia. This week, we'll be discussing marijuana legalization. Marijuana is called pot, weed, reefer, and a host of other slang references, including joints or blunts for marijuana cigarettes. Marijuana as a recreational drug has been around for a very long time. Since the early part of the 20th century, though, the U.S. government has tried to ban it, the Nixon administration took this prohibition to higher levels and the Reagan administration slapped a label on these efforts calling it the war on drugs. Our reporter Jordan Derry examined just how new laws approved in Colorado and Washington State at the end of last year will affect the drug war and the drug cartels.
3: Academics and advocates have no doubt that there will be an impact on the Mexican cartels which are major suppliers of drugs in the United States However, the jury's out on what that effect will be. Reasoning behind this estimated effect boils down to one question. How much do the Mexican cartels really rely on America's usage of marijuana? John Hawkins, professor at Carnegie Mellon and co-author of the book Marijuana Legalization, says that the marijuana legalization, even if it was legalized across the entire country, would not have much of an economic effect on the cartels.
4: It is still something more like 20% of the trafficking organization's drug revenues. And, of course, the trafficking organizations aren't just traffickers of drugs. They have revenues from other activities like extortion and kidnapping, too.
3: Calkins explained that the amount of revenue generated by drug sales only makes up 60% of their overall revenue, and that it would be unlikely for the United States to ever consider legalizing all hard drugs, an action that would make for a tougher impact. He refers to the cartels as diversified terrorism organizations that rely heavily on violence and extortion for their success. The important thing, Cawkins said to remember, was that less drug use in the United States is not directly connected to the violence caused by the cartels. For example, at a time when the United States was at a low in drug use, drug-related homicides actually went up in Latin America. According to Konkins, the best-case scenario would be if the United States legalized marijuana across the country, and countries like Mexico would crack down on producers, pushing the cartels into producing in the United States. Economically, he explained, the cartels wouldn't stand a chance.
4: The natural price of producing marijuana is very low, much lower than the black market price. Two things. Less risky is a big part. The other part, the fancy name is structural consequences of product illegality, which basically just means that when you've got to hide from the police, you have to do things in very inefficient ways. But if you don't have to worry about that and you're able to use automation and you're able to pay your unskilled workers the going rate for farm workers instead of three times that to compensate them for working illegally, there's all kinds of ways that your cost structure can drop quite a bit.
3: Some advocates for marijuana legalization, like director of the advocacy group Normal, Alan St. Pierre, believe that even just the legalization in Colorado and Washington will impact the drug cartels dramatically. St. Pierre says that with access to marijuana, the appetite for hard drugs in the United States will be significantly curbed, and that it's very likely that Washington and Colorado will become the major source for marijuana in the United States. He refers to what he calls the Corona model. Americans
0: drink millions and millions of bottles of Corona and other beers from Mexico. Is there any problem with this? Is there syndication? Are there gangs? Does it have to be smuggled over the border? No. It's lawfully consumed, it's taxed, uh, it's regulated, and so I'd suggest cannabis would be very similar, that if it was regulated and controlled like a product like Corona, we would have almost none of the so called black market problems associated with it.
3: Bruce Bagley, professor and chair of the Department of International Studies at the University of Miami agrees that while legalization, along with the push from Mexico, might benefit the fight against the cartels, he says that it's only part of the solution. A bigger problem, he says, is how the United States penalizes drug use and the refusal to help those suffering from addiction. He asserts that the United States' inability to fight drug abuse seriously, for example, when funding was pulled from programs meant to help those fighting addiction, has made matters worse in Mexico.
0: The United States has failed to address its own problems. It's really sought solutions in other countries. I I have sometimes said that we're perfectly willing to fight to the last Colombian, or fight to the last Mexican, but we haven't been willing to fight um, here in the United States in any serious way.
3: Bagley went on to say that the biggest way for the United States to solve its problem with drug abuse is to separate use from abuse and to use a popular method called harm reduction. This method keeps casual users out of jail while those struggling with addiction would be helped rather than punished severely. In this case, the United States would be saving millions of dollars a year on a prison system in which nearly one-third of those incarcerated are involved with nonviolent drug crimes. But what would this mean for drug cartels in Mexico? And how will Mexico's government respond? Well, with the pressure off from the United States, many countries in Central and South America are left to deal with the cartels in a way that they see fit, no longer having to conform to a strict idea of prohibition. St. Pierre says that in moving in a pro-legalization direction, voters in the United States may have inspired leaders in other countries to change their policies. It's
0: just again with a high degree of ethnocentrism that the rest of the world in this hemisphere has um, really uh, taken umbrage with as well they should over all these years. And so now we see uh, Uruguay uh, is going to probably be the first country in the world to legalize marijuana and there seems to be a number of other Central and South American countries that want to move in the same direction. So I think that what the voters in Washington and Colorado did, whether they knew it or not, they were in many respects empowering leaders outside the United States to act. So juxtaposition is a very powerful thing, and so citizens around the world that want uh, marijuana laws reformed, can now point to, that there is a place that has moved in that direction, and they want those same degrees of freedom.
3: As for the cartels, Mexico may crack down on them, driving them into an economic trap in the United States, as Calkins suggested. Or, as St. Pierre suggests, they might look into the United States for policy inspiration. Either way, Mexico's new president, Enrique Peña Nieto, stating his willingness to work on drug policy, shows movement towards breaking away from prohibition. With voting and legalization still fresh off the ballots, it is yet to be seen exactly what the response will be from the rest of the United States and in Mexico. For Latin Pulse, I'm Jordan Derry.
1: Coming up, one of the top experts in Washington, D.C. has more on just how these new laws will work. Stay with us for the explanations.
0: I want to finish school and then go to college to be able to Graduate. graduate and have the future my parents couldn't have. Because I know that going to college is the best thing I can do for my future. The words of a parent help to build the future of a child. The Hispanic Scholarship Fund has the information to help your kids go to college. Visit yourwordstoday.org or call one hsf 8711 Sponsored by the Hispanic Scholarship Fund and the Ad Council.
1: Welcome back to Latin Pulse. Recently we spoke to John Walsh of the Washington Office on of Latin America or WOLA, about marijuana legalization. Here are excerpts from our pre-recorded interview about the changes in the laws.
5: It, It is a big change. The votes on November 6th in Colorado and Washington both created a major shift for those states and presented the federal government with a dilemma about how to accommodate or try to put the brakes on a change that was got a, a very big majority of the votes in both of those states uh the shift is not just uh decriminalizing marijuana which has happened in a lot of states already and a lot of other countries but actually legalizing its use uh, possession for adults and eventually uh not just use but also production and distribution and that's the really big change
1: so so let's let's walk this through in washington state you can possess marijuana you can you can have so much pot um, but um, there's a limit there's a limit to how
5: much you can possess as an individual for your personal consumption eventually well that won't change there'll be a there'll be a possession limit but it's completely legal there's no sanction whatsoever not not a civil sanction not a criminal sanction what it will come online once the state creates the regulations, is a uh, rules for cultivating, processing, and selling. Because right now, under Washington law, although it's legal to possess, and in Colorado as well, it's not legal to buy it. Um, so they're going to create a system whereby production, packaging, and retailing are licensed and legal.
1: But at this point, it's just ownership. And is there a limit to the ownership?
5: There's a there's a limit of of an ounce that you can carry. And there's a lot of there's a lot of limits like in both states they talk about it along the lines of regulating similar to alcohol. And there's a lot of stipulations that apply to use of alcohol even though it's legal. You know, no public use. Um you can't if for marijuana for instance, you can't have it in a federal building. So there's there are ways to make it legal for adults to use it but under certain circumstances you have to be in your own home you can't be in the public so it's legal but not completely uh anything goes
1: so an ounce we're we're talking about just a couple of joints right
5: yeah yeah um it's again the idea is to in, in both, especially in Washington but also in Colorado to create a legal but also regulated structure, so this is not um, any amount any anytime anywhere, but rather you can do this, but there are certain rules that apply, and for instance, it's when they say adult it's twenty one and older uh, so creating the regulations and enforcing them is going to be um, a continued enforcement question it's not that the state opts out of any control, the state actually has to exert some a sort of finer grained level of control rather than ceding the whole enterprise to criminals.
1: I want to talk about the reaction from the federal government to this, but I also want to talk about the differences between what Washington state enacted and Colorado. Colorado is 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 a bit more free in what it's it's decided to enact, is it not?
5: In Colorado it is actually a constitutional amendment to their state on the one hand, On the other, it's trickier there because the revenue part needs to go back before the voters because it's tantamount to a tax. But the key distinction between Colorado and Washington is Colorado provides for homegrown. You can grow up to six plants in the privacy of your own home, and you can distribute that. You can give that as a gift. So that creates the possibility of uh, people who are growing their own um, and giving it away to their friends but also growing – more,
1: six plants is is not a small amount when we talk about marijuana. No,
5: no. There's a. It, it could be. A, this is that is the significant difference, and I think as far as the f- federal response, uh, this creates a dilemma because there are certain aspects of both of the regulatory structures that the feds could imagine they could easily intervene, uh, but the grow your own creates some dilemmas in for, in terms of. Uh, not being able to control it, but being want, but wanting to work with local enforcement to hem it in.
1: So people can give it away, but, but they may be then asking for donations?
5: Well, that's one of the, <laughs> the wrinkles. They could give it away um, in a bag um, for free, but charge for the bag.
1: So the, those plastic bags are going to be worth They're, a whole lot of money.
5: They could be worth a whole lot of money in Colorado
1: let's talk about the federal response to this because all of this is still illegal marijuana is still illegal on the federal level and the reaction from the obama administration has been um, less um than what we've seen in the past
5: yeah and i think that's where you start in prop 19 in california uh in 2010 which was an off-year election the you know the president's re-election wasn't at stake uh the federal um, the feds made clear before the vote that they didn't look kindly on the approach, uh, in the case of Colorado and Washington, I think especially and, and so that
1: failed then. that
5: failed. Prop 19 failed. I think it would have failed <laughs> on its own. Uh, I think the fed's you know raising doubts about whether they would allow it to move forward contributed, but I think it was a flaw to begin with and bad timing for the, for the proponents. in the case of Colorado in particular being a swing state, a battleground state, the federal government was, uh, was very quiet leading up to the vote, um, feeling that it was a question of maybe this will bring out young voters. Whatever their rationale was, the fact is it won pretty handily in Colorado. Uh, and you could say that in Colorado and in Washington. You know, Legal marijuana is at least as popular as President Obama and won a lot more votes than candidate Romney. So there's a, clearly there's a political calculus here on how to respond and a sense of whether we like it or not, this is where the voters are moving. And the voters have been ahead of politicians for a long time, especially at the national level. The state initiative allows the voters to move ahead of their own legislatures as well. So all of that was taken into account. At this point the dilemma I referred to before with regard to the federal response is the the controlled substances act clearly has marijuana as prohibited in in all facets you know including possession and use um the feds aren't going to enforce the laws against possession at a small level they don't do it now typically they're concerned about big big production and big distribution at the federal level that's not really the issue the question is when it comes to a scheme to regulate the the, the production and distribution, uh, what federal role is there? Should it be just to intervene and shut it down or should they look for some way to accommodate? And again, that is essentially not just a legal question but a political question of where
1: people see this headed. We see this interest from transnational crime in in what's going on with the legalization that changes their economic structure. And, and so we're in this mixed hybrid period where um, usually it's been the black market, the illegal market that's been driving marijuana sales and other drug sales.
5: Well, I think the key... The key for creating the legal market that is going to siphon some of the, the the sales and revenue and action away from the illegal market is going to be the price, making sure that it's not priced too high so that the black market can undercut it again. But also beyond that, uh, the quality control, the regularity, and the and the, the the sheer legality that you're not running into problems with the law that you would be, you still would be if you are entering the market um uh in in criminal hands in other words if you buy your marijuana at a at a licensed retailer you're fine but if you're not you're still outside the law
1: illegal drugs actually are sometimes priced 3 times what they would cost if if they were legal because of all the mechanisms that the illegal drugs have to go through transportation and other things yeah and the
5: the the markup is even higher than that i mean it depends exactly where but the the real exorbitant price increase comes from the sheer risk involved in the criminality so that's a premium that the dealer the dealers all along the line are asking for so as a as an agricultural or natural commodity it's you know extremely extremely inexpensive to produce. That premium, that markup is from the illegality.
1: We have talked a lot about the domestic side of this equation, but some people have said that these, the passage of these legalization referenda ha- will change what's happening in the drug war in Mexico and elsewhere. Are we really going to see an impact? Others have said minimal impact.
5: Yeah, I'd, I'd say somewhere in the, in the middle there, between minimum and major, um, and I think the time frame is important. In the long run, I think there's a big impact here because the United States uh, has been at the vanguard of an international prohibitionist drug control regime um, for 100 years, and in the case of marijuana, for 75 years. So the international regime reflects what the U.S. wanted it to be. Uh, the U.S. is shifting now. It's beginning at the local level, but it's going to eventually uh, affect federal policy, and in turn, that's going to affect the U.S. stance on the international treaties. That will, in turn, provide space for other countries that are looking this way uh, on marijuana.
1: And we have Uruguay already discussing Ur- Ur- legalization.
5: Exactly. Uruguay is, is actively debating a national level legalization, not a, not a state or provincial, but national uh, and other uh, civil society in other countries have also been talking and have been encouraged by the fact that the United states and the United States have gone ahead with this, so in the long run, I think that 's a big impact in the in the medium term. The impact on the actual markets uh and export of marijuana from Mexico I think is also an important factor because to the extent that Colorado and Washington and eventually other states create their own legal markets here at home, that's going to be the preferred go-to for for US consumers because of the safety, the security, the legality, and the quality control. And there's no way that the illegal is going to be able to compete with that. You know, people can get all will be able to get their boutique brands, and they're not going to want to bother with something that they have questions about the quality. getting involved in illegality. That could over time, as if these markets are permitted to evolve, undercut Mexican marijuana exports to the United States and Canadian for that matter. Uh, But remember with regard to the questions about the Mexican drug war and how tied it is to US markets, marijuana is just one piece of that. There's still cocaine, much of which comes through Mexico to the United States, still methamphetamine, Uh, and there's still heroin. So uh, even if there is a measurable impact on Mexican marijuana exports to the United States, I don't think that's going to have any major predictable uh, impact on the size of the Mexican drug trafficking organizations or their business model. I mean, I think marijuana, it's important for them, but it's not the most important, and it certainly... um, is not going to be the – legalization here is not the death knell of, of the Mexican drug cartels.
1: And so even if we do see a change, and some people have estimated that maybe it takes 20 percent away from the cartels and in what they do, and even that may be a high estimation, what you're telling us is we may not really see this change really roll out economically for five years, seven years, ten years.
5: At least a few years for the markets to develop to the size where they could have that impact on Mexican exports. And in the meantime, the, you know these are businessmen, and they're going to shift uh, their emphasis. Um, cocaine is a much more, you know, ounce for ounce, gram for gram. It's a much higher price and more valuable commodity, and it's not so bulky. So I think the impact on revenues for Mexican drug trafficking organizations, if the U.S., legal market is permitted to evolve is not insubstantial 20% is, you know a big a big slice on the other hand it's, they have a vast wealth through the other drugs as well and they have extended their uh, business into other forms of crime extortion kidnapping so it's not as if this is the only thing they're going to do and they're just going to go out of business if they see the revenue decline the other question relates to what impact does a, a declining revenue have on their, the Mexican drug trafficking organization's use of violence? And again, there's no immediate uh, equation that reduce revenues, therefore reduce violence. It could reduce overall capacity, but that will probably be differential as well. Certain organizations that are specialized more in marijuana will be hurt more than others.
1: Anything else that you think is important for us to know about this particular topic or the economics that may change because of legalization?
5: Uh, I think that a really a really important thing to realize is that this is uncharted water for not just for the US but for all the countries watching. And one of the really interesting things to me is if you If you look at u s public opinion um, over the past decade, especially it's shifted pretty strongly to be in favor of uh, marijuana legalization. Sometimes the wording on these surveys is uh very limited talks about legalizing marijuana use but leaves the other is silent about the other aspects in terms of uh production and distribution. Some questions are clear about that in any case. Opinion is at least evenly divided, if not in favor. But beyond that, what has happened now, now that states have voted to go forward here, there's also public opinion even stronger uh, that says, regardless of what I feel about legalization, once states have decided to do it, the federal government should let them go forward with it. So we do have have a strong sense of federalism, and regardless of my opinion— about the merits of legalization. If these if this state has decided that this is what they want to do, the federal government should stand back and let it happen. So I think there's already been an extremely important shift by virtue of this the states voting for legal marijuana um, that has an has had an impact in public opinion. And I think we're going to see that play out in terms of a federal government response that is not um is not completely tolerant, but looks to accommodate, looks for flexibility. And in the months ahead, we'll see the Justice Department make some pronouncements um, that will, I suspect, be looking for some common ground and way for the federal government to work with the states as they move forward with this rather than simply intervene to shut it down.
1: Thank you so much, John Walsh of the Washington Office on Latin America. Wola, our guest today on Latin Pulse. Thank you. We'll be back in our D.C. studios next week with a program featuring the latest on Venezuela's President, Hugo Chavez. Latin Pulse is available on the web and via iTunes. To see the Latin Pulse archives of video programs on Latin America, you can check out Link TV's website, www.linktv, all one word, Dot org and then forward slash Latin Pulse, also all one word. That's www.linktv.org forward slash Latin Pulse. If you'd like to comment on this week's program, you may leave us a message online via SoundCloud or on Facebook, or you can write us via email. You can find us at latinpulse at gmx.com. That's latinpulse, all one word, at gmx.com. Thanks for joining us this week on Latin Pulse. For our entire team, associate producer Alexia Campbell, announcer Victor Kilo, and writer Jordan Derry, I'm Rick Rockwell. nos otra vez. Gracias por su tiempo.
0: Latin Pulse is produced in Washington, D.C. at American University's School of Communication and with the support of Link TV. Theme music provided by Link TV and additional music from Canary Productions and Bathtime Music Publishing. This program is copyright 2013, Las Rocas Productions.